Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Logan campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. And I feel like the word that God has placed on my heart this morning to share with you that continues in our Faith at Work series is, uh, although there is a challenge for each one of us in it, it's actually also an affirmation of what God is already doing in this church. As I sit and hear the stories that you've shared this morning, I know that this already happens in this place, but I still know that God is wanting to challenge each one of our hearts this morning. And we're going to jump right into our scripture to start off with. Uh, And we're going to be in James 2 this morning. And if you've been following along with uh, Gateway Online over the last couple of weeks, you know that we're actually jumping back in James. We have headed off uh, into the other chapters of James, but we're actually coming back to James 2 this morning. And the piece of scripture that we're going to read, we will find uh, that it's carrying on in the same vein of what we know the book of James to be. James is not just talking about who the person we are to follow. He is talking about what it looks like for us to put our faith into action, to put our faith to work. So let's read James 2 starting in verse 1 this morning. My brothers and sisters, Believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there, Or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? And this teaching that we read, it goes far deeper than what we do when someone comes into a meeting, a gathering like this. This favoritism, or as it says in other translations, partiality, It's referring to the person who values someone's outward appearance and doesn't see the intrinsic worth and so gives preference to the one who is rich and to the one who is powerful. And now we're going to jump down to verse 8. It says, If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin." And are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, You shall not commit adultery, also said, You shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. And here James equates favoritism with sin. And how we, if we stumble at one point, we break all of the law. And verse 12 goes on to say, Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. This idea of being merciful is to show kindness towards those who are the miserable and afflicted, joined with this desire to help them. The message version puts these, uh, this verse like this. It says, if you refuse to act kindly, 
you can hardly expect to be treated kindly. And as we read through this passage, we're probably all going to have different reactions to it. Because for some, we may have actually experienced favoritism. And not in the way that you might think. You might be the one that you watch when others get noticed. Others are being treated with respect. They're being given the opportunities. And it feels like you are the one who's being overlooked. And you may sit here this morning and have this feeling like, you know, I just just don't feel like anyone sees me. But for others, this these verses may actually be really confronting because as we read them, we realise that we may be someone who at times has been guilty of showing favouritism. We've looked at someone's outward appearance, whether it's because of their social status, their race, their gender or their sexuality, and we have made a judgement on their intrinsic worth because of what we have seen on the outside. And for others, you might be sitting here this morning thinking, you know, that's not me. I don't show favoritism. You know, I know it happens and we only have to look so far in the media to see that it happens. And I'm aware it happens, but that's not something for me. I I treat everyone equally. And wherever we sit this morning, I believe that James' word that he writes to the believers scattered through the nations in his time is actually a word that speaks right to our situation today. In chapter 2, verse 10, James, he levels the playing field for those who think they're good at following the law. They don't murder. They don't commit adultery. They don't steal. He says, if you just break one part, gossip, lying, lust, showing favoritism, then you you break all of it. And there's not one of us that sits here this morning that doesn't fit into that category. And at some point, we have all done something that has hurt someone else, maybe hurt ourselves, or broken our relationship with God. And so what James does, he brings it back what he calls the royal law. The law that Jesus, this is a part of the law that Jesus refers to most frequently. And it's love your neighbor as yourself. Sam Albury, in uh, his commentary on James, he suggests that James mentions this royal law in this way because those he's writing to, they're actually trying to justify their actions. You know, imagine them saying, you know, look at us. We're actually doing really well at keeping this law about loving our neighbours because, look, a rich neighbour just walk in, walked in and we're giving him really good treatment. But what they're doing is only loving some of their neighbours. They're choosing to love the rich and the powerful ones. And I actually wonder if it's similar for us today. You know, this is a sermon on loving your neighbours. It's one that if you've been in church uh, any kind of length of time, it's probably something you've heard about before, a topic that you might think, I've got this. You know, I think I'm pretty good at this. But I actually wonder if we sit in a similar conundrum to those that James is writing to, where we 
do. We do love some of our neighbours. But Jesus is actually calling us to love all of our neighbours. And I believe that is the challenge for us this morning. What does it look like for us to put our faith into action when we're at work, when we're at home, when we're at university, when we're here at church, when we're sitting on the bus, when we're going to the grocery store? What does it look like for us to love others extravagantly and not show favoritism? And I believe that love has no place for favoritism but love sees and seeks all people. And I believe that God wants to remind us of these two simple things this morning. And the first one is that love sees people. I remember when uh, we found out that my eldest son, he's about to turn nine, and his name is Saxon, uh, we found out that he needed glasses. I had no idea that he had any vision problems. He was about to turn five at the time, and we got this letter sent home from his kindy, and he had gone through this eye screening process, this free one that they had done at kindy, and uh, we got a letter sent home that something interesting had come up in that, and we should follow up with an optometrist. And I disregarded the letter for weeks, saying to my husband, Tim, I said, you know, he's fine. I've never noticed him having any problems. He's never said to me that he can't see problem properly. And Tim, who, uh, if you know Tim, he wears glasses, uh, he decided to make the appointment to see the optometrist. And I distinctly remember that afternoon, I called Tim because he was taking forever and we were all waiting to have dinner. We were waiting for them to come home so we could have dinner. And I called Tim to find out where he was and he said, I'm just getting Saxon fitted for glasses. And I remember saying to him, glasses? What does he need glasses for? And Tim said, you know, poor kid, he's been really struggling to see. And uh, if you know anything about glasses, he actually has a prescription of plus seven. It's quite significant. And the, yes, you know that, quite significant. <laughs> and the poor kid, I just figured he could see clearly because he'd never said anything to me. But you know what? He didn't know any different. And when he first put his glasses on, he looked at Tim, who was helping him kind of adjust them. And he said, his first words were, Daddy, you've got teeth. <laughs> you know, as soon as he put on his glasses, he was able to see more clearly, more clearly than he ever had before. He was able to make out the individual teeth in our smiles. You know, all of us, in some way, we experience blindness when it come to, comes to those around us. And I don't, it's not because we don't see clearly. I actually think it's because we're so focused on looking at what's in front of us that we miss the people around us. And for some of us, I think... We're like I was when they first told me that Saxon had vision problems. You know, we think, that, that's not me. No, I, I see people. You're sitting here right here. I, I see people. But I wonder if we just see the people that we want to see, not necessarily the people that God wants us to see. And I don't know if you have travelled on public transport recently, but when you hop onto a bus or a train, 
Most people, they're focusing their attention in one spot. And they're looking down at their phones. And so when the person who requires extra assistance hops on, or the pregnant woman that is standing needs a seat, or the older gentleman needs a hand getting up a step, often they go unnoticed. Not because people don't want to help them, most often because people just don't see them. And I think we all struggle to see people around us because we get so focused on the things that are in front of us, whether that is our phones or even just the people that we that hold our attention and our affection. And I know this all too well because I have ignored many people as I have run past them trying to catch up with my kids because my kids, they hold my attention and my affection and probably rightly so, you know, I am focused on trying to keep them safe. But I know so many times I miss other people around me because I'm so focused on what, what's right in front of me. And we, in a sense, just blur out the rest, turn a blind eye to what else is happening around us. But if you read through the Gospels, Jesus, he is constantly seeing the ones who are being overlooked. In Luke 19, we read that Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up. See, Luke makes a point to tell us that Jesus, he's only passing through Jericho. And I don't know about you, but when I'm passing through a place, I am so focused on where I want to get to. Yet Jesus, he is not so focused on what's in front of him that he doesn't have time to stop and to look up and to see Zacchaeus. And Jesus says to him, he says, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And then in John 4, we read of Jesus' interaction with the woman at the well. Jesus has left Judea and he's on his way back to Galilee. And verse 4 says this. He says, now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. And this walk that Jesus was making from Judea to Galilee is most likely, it's quite a long walk, about four days. He is tired from walking. It's about noon. It's hot. He's exhausted. If that was me, I would be wanting a nana nap. But Jesus sits down at the well and he sees a Samaritan woman. And in that society, that was not even someone he should be looking at let alone interacting with. But if you keep reading, you know that Jesus sees this woman and he speaks truth and life into her situation. Jesus saw people. Love sees people. And love doesn't just see people and then ignore their situation. Love sees people and then seeks to help them. 
And I believe that's the second thing that God wants to challenge us with this morning. Love sees people, but love also seeks people. Loving our neighbor is also about being moved into action for them. What does that look like? Often when we see someone and we seek them out, the most basic way that we can show love to them is to listen to their story. And as you do that, you start to see how you might be able to help them. You might hear of a need that they have. You might start to feel the Spirit prompting you with Scripture or with words that you can say that may speak truth and hope into their situation. Jesus does this for the woman at the well. As Jesus interacts with her, he speaks words of truth right into her situation. And Jesus, he doesn't just see a blind man sitting by the roadside. He firstly hears him, and then he sees him, and then he heals him and gives him back his sight. Jesus sees people, and he seeks to help them. One of my heroes of the faith is a lady called Miss Fern, and she is a lady who loved Jesus and loved people really well. And she embodied this idea that love has no place for favoritism, but sees and seeks all people. Three years ago now, uh, my husband and Tim and I, we actually came back from spending some time uh, living overseas in America. And we worked with an organisation over there that uh, worked with at-risk young people. And Miss Fern was actually the founder of that organisation. And she opened her home to anyone and everyone. And her home affectionately became called the hospitality house because there was always someone staying there that didn't actually live there. And whether it was the high-flying multimillionaire donor that had come to see uh, what the organisation did before they donated their money, or whether it was one of the boys from the program who had aged out of the program but had nowhere to go, or just someone that she had invited to come stay, each person that came into her house had the same treatment. You would wake up in the morning, you would come down the stairs, and you would be offered eggs, bacon, pancakes, and she would even put chopped chips in the pancakes if you wanted them to. It was the same treatment we got when we stayed there. Miss Fern would serve everyone breakfast, and then she would just sit with you and listen to your story, ask you questions. And I remember turning up to her house one day for a Bible study and there was this new lady there. I'd never seen her before, but as I got talking to her, I found out that she was actually now living at the hospitality house. And a few days prior, Miss Fern had been uh, driving along in her car and she had seen this lady walking with her bags along the side of the road. And Miss Fern had stopped and she just spent some time talking with this lady, finding out her story. And in the process of doing so, she found out that this lady had just been kicked out of her home and had nowhere to go. And so Miss Fern said to her, well, you're coming home with me. And so for the next few weeks, this lady lived with Miss Fern until she got back onto her feet. Now, I'm not suggesting that we all go out and we open up our homes to the homeless, although God might be saying that to you. But as we embark on this journey 
to see people and to seek them out by listening to their story, ask yourself this. What is already in my hands? What are my skills and my giftings? What are the words that are on my heart that might be able to bless this person right now? Jesus satisfied the woman at the well's thirst. She presented with a physical need. But as Jesus listened to her story, he knew he could meet her spiritual need. Jesus saw the man that was blind and he healed him. And that was totally in the wheelhouse of things that Jesus was able to do. Miss Fern opened her home, which was already set up for visitors. She founded an organization that provided support for the homeless. So when she saw this lady and listened to her story, she knew she had access access to resources that could help her. So as you listen to people's stories, what is it that you already have access to that you could use to show them love? It might be as simple as a listening ear or making a phone call to access support for someone or offering your skills to alleviate a need that they have because love has no place for favoritism but love sees and seeks all people. Don't be so focused on what is in front of you that you miss out on the opportunity to bless those around you. Miss out on the opportunity to show God's love and grace to others. And in 1 John 4.19, we read, and Dave referenced this before, he says, we love because he first loved us. The reason that we live in this way. The reason that we love in this way is because God first loved us. And it is only through experiencing God's extravagant love that we can love others extravagantly. And maybe you actually sit here this morning and you have never experienced the love that God has for you. And I want to remind you this morning that God sees you. And God has actually come to seek you out and not in a freakish, stalkerish kind of a way, which kind of sounds like when I say that, but he sees the struggles that you're walking through. He sees the loneliness that you're experiencing. He sees the pain that you're going through and he wants to come alongside you and walk with you. And as he does, you will realize that his presence actually has the power to transform you. At the end of the passage we read before in Luke 19, where Jesus goes to the house of Zacchaeus, Jesus sees this man, a man that has, because of his profession and his stature, has been overlooked and is despised by many. Jesus sees him And he comes to him and he says in verse 9, Today salvation has come to this house, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And today salvation, the freedom from the power of sin, can come to you because Jesus sees you. And because of his death on the cross, he has sought you 
and He has saved you. And if you have never made that decision to follow Jesus this morning, you can actually do that right now. Romans 10, 9 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. And right now, I just want to facilitate a moment for that to happen. So if you could just close your eyes and bow your heads. I just want to give anyone an opportunity who has never experienced the saving love and grace of Jesus. I just want to give you a moment to do that right now. And it's nothing special. It's not something that you have to do in church. It is something you can do at any point. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And we can do that through just praying a prayer. So if that's you this morning, I just ask uh, that you indicate that by putting up your hand. And I would love to help guide you through a prayer that you can do that. So if that's you this morning right now, if you have never experienced the saving love of Jesus, I'd ask you just to put up your hand and I would love to pray that prayer with you this morning. Okay, you guys can open your eyes, lift your hand. We just love to give an opportunity for people to experience the saving love of Jesus when we meet together on a Sunday. But remember that it's not something that's special that has to happen here. You can do that at any point. But what I believe for each of us is really important this week. I believe God wants us to put our faith to work and to love those around us. And I want to encourage you this week to find one part of your day, whether it's while you're on the bus going to work, whether it's when you're walking into your workplace, or even when it's sitting at your computer, consciously choose to shift your focus from what you would usually be looking at, whether that's your phone, whether that's your computer, or whether that's the destination that you are heading to. And consciously choose to look up, look around. Who can you see? And seek them out and listen and learn and show love to them in the way that you can. Because love has no place for favoritism, but love sees and seeks all people. Would you pray with me? Loving Father, we thank you that you see us. And God, you couldn't bear the thought to be separated from us, so you sent your son Jesus to pay the price so that our relationship with you could be restored. God, thank you that you sought us out and you have saved us. And God, as we continue to experience the extravagant love that you have for us, God, I pray that you would move our hearts and you would change our lives so that we can love those others around us extravagantly. God, give us eyes to see the people you want us to see. As we go into this week, Lord, may you help us see the individuals that you want us to see. And may you fill us 
with the courage and the boldness to step out and to help them in whatever way that we can. God, I thank you that this is the experience of the family here at Logan. God, that people this morning have talked about as they've come into this family, they feel welcome, they feel seen. God, we thank you that that is happening here and I pray that you would empower each one of us to be able to go out into the world and to show your love to others. Not for our own sake, but God, so that they will come to know you and we will see more and more people experience the extravagant love that you have for them. God, I thank you for this word for us this morning and I pray that you would bless us as we go from this place. And together we say, Amen. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you or you would like to take a further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to connect with you please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click on Get Connected to let us know.